like a cool breeze coming down from a frozen hill. You are listening to an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here he is, Darius, Teddy. From the chilling podcast studios in the frozen hills near Storybrook, I am Teddy the Yeti, and you are listening to the cool sounds of the Once Upon a Time fan podcast. So... Ladies, gentlemen, reindeers, and warm-hearted snowmen, Once Upon a Time Podcast.com and Rony's Own Media present the hosts of the coolest Once Upon a Time podcast ever. Put your hands and paws together for Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello. There's nothing wrong with your podcast catcher. Your MP3 player, it is us. It we is have correct. returned from the great abyss that is the hiatus abyss. It's been nice taking some time off, but we have to get back on the old proverbial horse and record some more because the show is returning. It is indeed, in a couple of weeks. Yes, so this is podcast episode 262. This is the Heroes and Villains main show. Uh, I just briefly want to thank everyone for asking about it and all that, and it is now here. So if you do want to find, and I hope you do, the links and information on this episode, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 262. Happy Valentine's Day. This is being recorded on Valentine's Day. It is indeed, which, by the way, is two months to the day after the episode aired. Yes. The one we're talking about. So it's a nice little We we thing. are we are definitely not going into full detail, but we've had quite a bunch of life going on. <laughs> we have in indeed. between the fi- the showing of the mid season finale and now. So it's kind of getting back to normal now, so that is fantastic. The rain dog lady over here is sleeping. Yes, on she is her pillow. We are working on new album art for when we start up the podcast again. Oh, dude. We have moved the majority, well, half of the MP3 files over to Libsyn. So you should notice on more recent episodes, especially this one, and it is going to load a lot faster. So we're making little tweaks here and there to make it a better experience for you guys. And so we appreciate folks. Uh, supporting this podcast at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash store at Amazon. We we appreciate that. And the folks that support us at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. Thank you so much. That is true. So Colleen has found my selfie stick, and she's just been just a crazy woman, just laughing and goofing. And I this is actually the know. second time we've recorded this intro, so... Yes. We that's we using that. it like Mrs. Howell or something. And I the, say, Governor. Yeah. All right. So we have watched the episode Heroes and Villains again, which was nice. There were moments that I liked again. There were moments that kind of made me cringe again and made my eye twitch a little bit. <clears throat> but this is what I've come to. Some people like the very pro approach we take. And that we are, you know, going for the show and all this kind of thing. And there's other folks that want us to be very 
pick everything apart and talk about this and that. What I had to come to when I was watching it this time is that the gauntlet of realizing someone's weakness, their their greatest love or whatever, was a plot device for just that episode. I, I, what I'm finding more and more is that you can't go back and try and fit everything into canon. You know, poor Manny. Manny, if you're out there, if he is a he loves the time frame of this of the show and it's very hard for him because they're trying to kind of when you come up on four seasons of something and you're writing a show it's very hard to make sure all the timelines fit perfectly that is so true. what true. what i'm having to do is going episode by episode and say do i like the episode do i like the arc of the half season if i do then cool to kind of look at it in a full scope of it is really, it's tough. And, and Well, so. it is difficult unless you've had an opportunity like I have to go back and rewatch seasons one, two, and I'm starting second half of three right now. So if you have that opportunity, it makes it a little easier to do. And you can kind of pick up things and go, oh, yeah, yeah, this will come into play later. Or, oh, that thing we saw this is reference back to this particular thing I'm watching right now. And that's been kind of nice, but yeah, it is kind of tough to kind of keep things straight when you haven't seen the episodes in a while. The first season was easier because you could see different things in gold shop and it was kind of fun, kind of matching things. It's not that way anymore. We rarely see things that close in gold shop and it's, it's a different time, but anyway, so. Well, those things are not, key to right. the storyline uh before we continue on i did want to say we are going to play the second segment of the voicemail that abby ross remember who played young who plays young emma in once upon a time she called and left a bit of a bit more of a message for the fans for you guys that's great and we're going to be playing that later on today but as we jump in here we go Hey, Teddy the Yeti, still chillin' with ya. Let's see what's new in Storybrooke, Maine. It's time for Once Upon a Time News. Now, with the news about this all-female Ghostbusters, Mm -hmm. when I heard this bit of news about Once Upon a Time, I said, ah, there's a connection. So Ernie Hudson, who was in Ghostbusters... The original one. Yes, and Ghostbusters 2. Didn't he also even actually play the voice in the cartoon? Probably. I want to say Probably. he did. I kind of faded out. I, I, I never watched anyway. But, but probably, more yeah. than likely. Yeah. So Ernie Hudson is going to be playing King Triton. So Excellent. We have a more rounded cast and a couple of little bits of information. We know that Ursula is coming right. for the next half of season four. So a variety has reported that Joanna Garcia Swisher will return as Ariel. So that's almost a given, but I wanted sure. to kind of give an official And, and yay return. to that news. That's great yes. news. I like Joanna Garcia Swisher. She's awesome. And also another big bit of news for me is that TVLine.com reports that Ian Bailey will return as August W. Booth slash Pinocchio. So I don't know if it's going to be flashbacks or anything, but he is phenomenal. Yeah. If you've listened to this podcast longer than a season where you know I'm a huge fan of Ian Bailey. Oh, you are. He's my favorite. You are. And I got to see him. Yeah. I was like three feet from him Yeah. at one point. 
it was fantastic. He was driving by in the car at the yeah, that's last, right, that's right. You know? And that's another thing is mm-hmm. if you go back and I can't remember that off the top of my head what the episode number is, but when we were discussing the premiere, all the people that were in that premiere, it was almost like they were trying to kind of let you know prep in in advance yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. something's going to be happening like the uh, bailey madison was there i Mm -hmm. haven't heard anything that she'll return but ian bailey being there i went whoa wait a minute something something's happening so but that's that's great news for sure and so i think we talked about the episode i don't think we need to kind of talk more about it well no we watched it again and it was kind of nice to see and it was good reminders, and we were thinking about how there were scenes that were just so powerful and really great scenes. You know, the one with Belle and Rumpel at the town line, and even the goodbye with Elsa and Anna when they finally started going through the portal, and just different scenes. The intense heart replacement scene with Emma and Hook, where she puts his heart back in his chest. Yeah, well, it let's reminded- do this. Okay. Jeff and Colleen ain't no strangers to telling you what they think. It's about that time for Views from the Studio on the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. There were some things that still kind of made my eye twitch a little bit, like the town line. They had it resolved, and then Ingrid knew about the whole town line, forgetting your memory and causing it to disappear again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was little things like that. But there were so many strong, strong scenes. Oh, yeah. Regina doing the right thing, giving, make sure Robin had money and a Making map. Making sure that Robin taking, had money. Yeah. What did I say? Make sureing. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to clarify I haven't been there. drinking, but I did take a nap. So, anyhow, Regina was just fantastic. And, oh, yeah. And she even intimated that to emma again i know i know i know i did the right thing because i feel miserable right and unfortunately that's kind of somewhat sometimes the way that happens and when you do the right thing yeah you often lose sacrifice yeah frequently does not feel very good because usually doing the right thing is for somebody else exactly so the scene between regina and rumple was still spectacular i love that scene there were so many really, really good scenes. I mean, even just the Belle and yeah, Henry right. was adorable. Well, yeah, and he was very, even though he called her grandma and she said, no, just just call me Belle. He was very nice to her and it was respectful, I thought. Well, so. he genuinely likes her and he liked her before he even realized that, you know, she was who she is. She technically is his grandmother. True. She's married to his grandfather. So, I mean... That is true. You know, she's just too young to be his grandmother. Right. Well, actually, technically not, but <laughs> that's a whole other issue. It was it was interesting to see the heart go back into Hook and the make-out scene in the same hallway where Regina was making out with Robin mm-hmm. a while before. And the... But it was just so sad to see Anna and Elsa and Kristoff go. It was sad. I know. Sad to I know. See them go. But I do love the fact that they kind of closed out the story. And we talked about this, I'm sure, yeah, on sure. our original, you know, first thoughts. That they closed out the storyline and didn't leave loose ends at this point. And I 
noticed, which I don't think I did last time, but I, I did notice that there was a portrait on the left as Anna and Elsa were walking down out of the room to go to the wedding. And it looked very much like the portrait that was hanging in the wall in uh, the animated feature of yep. the parents. So it was, I know it was intended to be Gerda and, you know, the king, but it looked more animated than real photograph. You know what I mean? It looked to me <clears throat> like Maleficent grabbed Belle yes. when the little Dalmatian puppy kind of lured her away mm-hmm. from the clothes hanging area. Yes. So anyway, because I was wondering who that was, I, I still want to know who, and it probably is going to be asked in, in one of the cool emails that we get and we got is that well, Cruella. Yeah. I, I want to know more about Cruella. I get Ursula, and I get Maleficent, obviously. Sure. But I, I want to see how Cruella kind of fits in with all this thing. Like, probably the next stop is going to be at a pet shop or pet shelter or something. And oh, that's where Cruella works. Impossibly. You have to take care of the things that maybe right. in your other life that you tormented. And maybe... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wonder if that's kind of a... Listen, <laughs> a... Redemption or kind of paying for your sins, if you will, sure. in, in this environment. Yeah, so, might very well be. Yes, indeed. So, let us move forward to let us move forward to this. Hey, everybody! Thanks for dropping us a line at feedback at onceuponatimepodcast dot com. Let's take a look at what you all had to say. Hey, wait a minute! Where's the mailbag? I got the mailbag over here. I just have to be careful because a lady is sleeping near the mailbag. And I just want to take a minute just to thank folks for sending in their great emails to feedback at onceuponatimepodcast.com. We really appreciate it. And sometimes the emails get long and we have to kind of <laughs> get it get it kind of culled down to certain things. So... If maybe you want to kind of break it up into paragraphs, that would be a little easier for us. But we thank you for writing in. This is from Alina, and it says, Yay, a portrait of Ingrid, Greta, and Helga is being put up in the Arendelle Castle. And that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So the memory is not lost anymore. So, and this is from Chris Tipton, another episode full of epic. Unlike a lot of people, I really love this half season. And this was a great end. My top five. Number five, the Frozen Gang returns to Arendelle. This was a sad moment for me. Elizabeth Lyle as Anna was one of my all-time favorite characters. Lyle. Lyle? It's Lyle. Elizabeth Lyle, like nail. Okay. (laughs) Like Sokka. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you need to be you need to be listeners for a while to get that joke about Sokka. Yeah. All right. Uh, so anyway, Elizabeth Leo. Yes. As Anna is one of my all time favorite characters on the show, and she will be sorely missed. And I totally agree. I'm so happy she had a hand in saving everyone. Anna looked absolutely gorgeous in her wedding gown, and I loved her. Uh, I loved our one last frozen reference: chocolate. Yes. Yes, that was very cute. Number four, the Queens of Darkness. Can Cruella turn herself into a Dalmatian on command? That is a very interesting question. Because, yeah. Yeah. We weren't any, we weren't near water, so that's 
possibly why Ursula wasn't there, but we did see Maleficent's raven mm-hmm. in the air. Diablo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like they were both there, but the third was not there. Uh, maybe this is her superpower. Uh, so. so if that's the case, she'd be a shapeshifter. And maybe she chooses Dalmatians because it's easiest and that's her favorite thing. Um, but and can she seen, shapeshift into something else? Maybe, if that's the case. It'll be interesting. Cause we have seen Krilla, shapeshifting before. Yeah, we have. So. Krilla is not a magical being mm-hmm. in the 101 Dalmatians story. Yes. But it looks like they're going to take some license with that and give her some sort of powers. Yes. And the there's already... A lot of mm, uh, down-talking language on social media about Cruella DeVille. And I'm I'm still open to giving her a shot and finding out what they're going to do with her character. I'm still interested. So, But it, it was an interesting choice. But they've had Pongo all along. So, I mean, th- it's not out of left field. They've not kind completely of out of left up. field. Right. Yeah. It's not completely out of left field. But what I will say is... Maybe she's not herself going to actually have magical powers, but maybe she's going to kind of have a similar functionality, so to speak, as what we saw with little Bo Peep. Yes. Peep didn't have any powers. She had a magical thing. So maybe Cruella has a magical thing that it can help her with the, you know, shape-shifting or or something like that. Yeah, Peep did not, Bo Peep did not have the fastest story on off ever i think that was rapunzel (laughs) so fast yeah yeah, one episode that's it all right uh so i will continue with chris's email i loved maleficent's new look she finally looks legit Uh uh-huh i agree i thought she looked dumb in season one well Uh, it was different i liked it i thought it was very beautiful and eduardo was a genius with costuming yep but it wasn't True Maleficent. Yeah. You know, what we're used to. True. I think she's pretty. So, all right. Cruella also is spot on. She already is terrifying. Those eyebrows. Ha ha. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chris is not a fan of the eyebrows. Okay. I don't care for Ursula so far, but hopefully she'll grow on me. So, eh, we will see. see. And, And we've seen that with different characters in this show. Mm-hmm. At first, we like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But as time goes on, things happen. Exactly. My pet theory is that Lily is Cruella DeVille because Lilith is a demon in many stories and DeVille, devil. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Okay. That, That'd be interesting. That is possible. Hmm. One question. Rumpel needs to take two more stops. Maleficent is a wraith beneath the clock tower. Th- that is true. And... Th- Chris really points out a very interesting point of how are they going to go jump from that weird sentinel character to New York? I, I don't know how that all happened. Well, here's the thing. How is it that Rumpel knows who he is and knows who Ursula is? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? How did Ursula get to New York? And if you watched the sneak peek that was shown right after the episode, right. they showed Ursula saying... We're not, yeah, not Ursula. Corella acknowledging going to Storybrooke. So clearly, Corella is definitely going to be one stop that he's going to make. As for the second stop, we're assuming it's Maleficent, but what if it's actually not and it's an object somewhere mm. that he has to get that, you know, maybe it's something from Neil's apartment. 
possibly. I you know think, what I mean? I think he is going to make the three stops to see the characters in their New York spot. Incarnations. Right. But and, here's and, the thing. Again, I, I mean, I, we don't know how he remembered who he is because when he crossed the town line, didn't he lose his memories? Because theoretically he should have. Right. <clears throat> he probably had some type of a fail safe or some type Unless of Unless he protected himself before sure. because he was planning to leave with Bell anyway. Right. So uh, we there's a lot of questions we just don't know. Well, we you know, and and like I mentioned before, it's really I mean, it'll break your brain to kind of think all the day, but I mean, they have these remember they were Tamara made the um the wrist thing that would block magic and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there could be the opposite. There sure. could be some type of a thing where if Rumpel wears it, he keeps his magic, even though well, it goes over. Remember when he, he didn't, he didn't keep the magic, but he kept the memories when he wore a right, right. scarf. We don't, yeah, know, we don't know that he didn't see. keep it and wear it all the time yeah, on yeah. some off chance that, you know. You're right. I, for, I totally mean, remember, forgot about that. He sees the future. Yeah. So do you think he didn't see this coming? I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. It's so hard to tell what's what's going to happen. And there's so many possibilities and explanations for things. And, you know, that was six months later that we saw that, that scene. So... I, we're we're going to have to, at some point, figure out what happened in those six months that he was gone. And like I said before, I'm trying to kind of go with the show. And, you know, some people can call that a lot of different things. But uh, we're doing a podcast about this show. And I would rather do it in a fun way. I mean, certainly we're going to talk about things that we – it doesn't make sense to us. But, you know, we're, we're going to definitely move forward. So anyway, but Chris – you know, makes a good point is Maleficent is a wraith underneath the clock tower. But remember, yeah. she was destroyed by the Prince Charming sword by Emma. And we thought that the dragon was completely destroyed. But right. when Hook and Emma went down there again, the there was like this weird sentinel character with this weird cry. It was strange looking, yeah. really weird. So something exists down there. Uh, all right, so I will continue with the email. How does he think he can find her? And that's a great question, and that's what we want to know as well. Number three, Regina and Robin slash Marion. I'm so proud of Regina making the right decision. Oh, uh, we were too. This is definitely a different Regina than season mm-hmm. one. Oh, to- yeah, so many different changes have happened along the line. Some people are not happy about it, but I think it's a great character path. It's a mm-hmm. great journey. It really is. is. It is. Fantastic. All right. Uh, so it was so heartbreaking at the town line. And I totally agree. Second mm-hmm. most heart-riching part of the show. A lot of people predicted this, and it came true fruition. I felt how we got there was kind of silly and contrived, but alas, it is once upon a time. Right. Uh, also, how in the blue heck is Robin mm-hmm. any more qualified for dealing with the regular world when marrying? That's a valid question. But I think he he's, he adapts fairly well. Well, he's theoretically been in Storybrooke a yes, lot longer right. than Marion has. And having spent a lot of time with Regina that we probably haven't seen, mm-hmm. uh, I would imagine she's kind of educated him on modern culture. Remember, 
when there was a scene when he was walking with Marion down the street in Storybrook that he was explaining, yeah. this is ice cream. Yeah. This is so they probably had a lot of discussions about okay, this is electricity. This is and believe me, you can ask you know the knave <laughs> he knows about electricity right, right. that kind of thing. But yeah, I I, I think you're right. I, I think. just think he's definitely more qualified than. Well, he's not more qualified than some of the people that are in this, the town, but they had to obviously send him because, you know. Right. And the the choice. Yeah. There there had to be a choice. And it was very interesting that the whole discussion on, on the bench, I think it reflects a lot of, well, some people's discussions about leaving somebody, leaving a wife, leaving a family for somebody else. But then... You know, there, there's there's pain involved and there's hurt. Right. And Regina was doing a great thing of talking about the full scope of it. But you're, what are you leaving behind? What you know? And then it was pushed forward. So, right. I'll continue with the email. I still am pretty sure we haven't seen the last of Robin. So there's hope yet for Regina. Rip Outlaw Queen. Number two, the sorcerer is the author. This was my theory all season, I, and I suppose I was correct, it seems. Very cool seeing that room. Did Henry just go around pulling on lights till he found a secret room? Probably. <laughs> well, I you would know. think that, you know, he's a smart kid, and having spent time with Emma, he would have said, what is this hallway that just ends? There's mm, no way yeah. this is just the end of it. And that's when he realized there's only one candle on that wall, or one light fixture on that wall, and maybe he started playing around with it, and that's when he figured... I mean, he's watched movies. He knows things. Young Frankenstein. All right. So, uh, I will continue. Henry, please don't call Bell Grandma ever again. Too much awkward. Yeah, I agree. But she was nice about it. She totally was. So, number one, Rumpel story. End of Rum Bell. I will add a question mark on that. But there was yeah, no question mark Yeah, because at this. this point, I mean, it looks like that's the case, but I... I talked about this in First Thoughts a couple months ago. I had read that Emily DeRavin was pregnant in real life. Mm. My money says that will come into play mm. in the show. All right. I Just will, throwing that out there. I will continue with Chris's email. Another magical plot device, but it was nice to get another Camelot reference. That's true. And it showed up, and it showed Bell's Bell Rumpel's true self, so I suppose it was useful because she asked about what was Camelot like. Right. And she goes, he said, good for me, bad for Camelot. Mm-hmm. And I will continue. So epic finding out the house was the sorcerers, which I also had predicted all along. Cool to see the walking broom again. And to see, I'm adding this, cool to see the walking broom crack its knuckles. Yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and hear the amazing sorcerer's apprentice theme. Really, Hook needs to get a bruise checked. Uh, real subtle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get the bruise checked. Real subtle, Rumple. The scene in the clock tower turned into the observatory was really cool. Awesome effects on the stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So glad Rumple didn't get to kill Hook. So now for Rumple and Bell out the town line. For so long, I just wanted Bell to find Rumple out. You and about... <laughs> Millions of other people. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the big things that we were just frustrated with at the beginning. It's like, he's sure. lying. It was a marriage on a throne Sham. of lies. Yeah. 
So the lies are out now. Yeah, they are. But now I'm not so sure that uh, about Belle finding out. The scene was almost too much to take. It was so amazing, but so soul-crushing at the same time. Easily the most devastating scene I've ever seen on, ever, ever watched on television. I can't even believe they went through with it. I'm excited to see the direction they're going through. We all know Rumpel will return to Storybrooke somehow. Well, we, yeah, I mean, that's what the... The assumption and yeah, the inference that, is, The yes. little promo at the end yeah, there. Yeah, that's the inference. So I, I did, I did want to say this is that sometimes in life there's things that you think are happening, and then when they come out, it's very, very, very... It's painful. Everyone says, mm-hmm. tell the truth. But there's a lot going with that. Yeah. And it, it crushed Belle to the point where she used that gauntlet to find that dagger and then use the dagger to kick him out. Oh yeah. You know, they're, they're stand by your man sometimes. And then there's cross the town line, you know, it's yeah. too late, you know, and, and, and that's hard. I mean, these, these fairy tales are so, or these story book stories are so trenched in this love conquers all. And, you know, love is forever and all this kind of stuff. But she said, it's too late. My man, it's a concept that, that we don't get in a Disney no, film or most no. of these right. most of these stories. Right. But, you know, it's really nice to happen in 2014 when this was aired. It's too late. You you ruined it. I right. gave up my life to, to help you. And in the end, you didn't love me anyway. I mean, that's, that's, that's powerful. You loved your power more than me. Yeah. Because yeah. he did love her and she knows that he did. But in the end, ultimately, he loves power more than he loves her. Yeah. And we've said that more than once mm-hmm. on this podcast before. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, honorable mention goes to Regina and Rumpel's talk. Haven't seen this in a long time. No yeah. surprise. Rumpel was on to Henry. So I suppose Henry's days as the apprentice are over. That's true. Mm, that yeah. is true. But, yeah, it, it, even even frenemies can have good talks. Sure. So sure. another epic episode. This is going to be a long 10 weeks, 9.7 out of 10 cannibalistic fishes. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for that. This is from Angela and it says, big love to you guys. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Thank you very much. This episode pulled all the heartstrings. Here are some things I noticed. Bell said that she was, that she tried to change to please Rumple and fit into his life. She came to the hard and painful realization that this was not working or healthy. Belle knew Rumpel was up to no good, but she chose to overlook the signs. I think people have the tendency to overlook unhealthy habits and faults when they're in love. Mm-hmm. That it's is true. That is true. It's unfortunate, but true. Lucky for Hook, she came to her senses and really laid down the law to Rumpel. And, and that is true. Yep. Even though, you know, men, you know, are, are known to be strong individuals, sometimes it takes a woman to cut right to the chase. Yes. And I would agree with tell you. the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to hear. But, and I, I think, you know, in looking down this, this road, sometimes that's the best thing that can happen to a man. Yeah. If there's someone to tell the truth, the real truth, not the, the truth that he's trying to hide from. 
because in the end, say, you know what? I never would have changed unless you would have done that. So I, and I think we're going to get that down mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. So maybe we will. Yeah. For lucky, we will. All right. Uh, I have always considered Rumple a villain. He corrupts the innocent and the unaware with the art of the deal that is to his benefit. His artifacts that he peddles can be dangerous. He still hands them out for an IOU, which leads people to a bad end. True. He's a constant manipulator, just like his father. Oh, very much so. Very much so. It's in their DNA, unfortunately. But I think, I think Bell will help him. But it's going to be a I long so. road. You know, Rumple at this point reminds me a bit of Regina in season one. Yeah. They're both yeah. at the point where you make a decision. Do you want everything, the, the good, or do you want what you want? Remember that scene in Welcome to Storybrooke mm-hmm. when she got everything she wanted and it drove her crazy. She goes, everyone's doing what I tell them. Everyone's afraid of me. And he right. said, this is what you wanted, dearie. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where he is right now. Yeah. Is He really had everything, but now he's had it all taken away. And he's in control by the one person I think you could really trust, his wife. Mm-hmm. She will do the best for him, even though he will not see it that way. Right, exactly. So, uh, all right. Uh, ask Regina no deals with Rumpel. Yeah. That's true. That was stated from episode, or season one. <laughs> don't make yeah. deals, with, don't don't make do deals with Rumpel. It's never good. Yeah, for a gauntlet or anything else. Uh, Rumpel parks it in Regina's... Uh, Regina and Rumpel's discussion in the car and gives her his goodbye speech. At this point, she realizes Rumpel is still a tool. Regina gives him her her patent side eye look. Their relationship is completely strange. Rumpel has an affection for Regina that is yet to be explained. And I think it's a a student teacher. That's what I think. Well, I think if you really look at it, he loved her mother. He loved her mother at one point, wanted to marry her, and figured they would have this amazing life. And Regina could have been his daughter. And I think that being the case, there is that affection for her because of the fact that she reminds him of her mother, who he loved. That was his first love. That was before Mila. Yeah. So, I'm you know, or maybe she was after Mila. I, I, it's hard to tell timeline for that kind of stuff. But bottom line is, she loved. He loved Cora. He was ready to marry Cora. He had a passion with Cora, and it was thrown away. I agree with what Angela is really kind of getting to is that the the discussion that he was having with Regina was kind of like. Somebody that just won the lottery, they basically can say anything they want because yeah. it doesn't really matter. Well, I was actually thinking of somebody who's given their final notice at a at a job, right? And it's the yeah. last day, and they pretty much tell their boss off in a, in yeah. a sense. Not, in a, I mean, this wasn't a mean way, but it's kind of that whole thing. They can say anything they want, and it doesn't really mean. It's it like, matter, I hope what the, are you do, the same thing me? for you. Yeah, you know, like, eh, yeah. whatever. I, I I think he meant that. I think he really does want her to have a happy ending. But I think at the same time, it's kind of like, good luck with that. Well, I'm not going to be around to help you out with that, but good luck with that. 
I, I guess what I'm saying is I think he meant it, but he didn't like mean it completely. I think it was a flippant remark like, you know, uh, you should feel like I feel right now. Just, I hope you get the same kind of opportunity that I do. But, hmm. you know. Oh, so. I got a different feel, but that's all right. All right. Uh, when Regina first summoned Rumpel, a comment that was made that he met her as a wee tiny baby. It makes me think Rumpel chose Regina to get back at Cora. That, that's, a, that's a good point. And that's very possible, too. Yeah. I would love to see... That fleshed out with Rose McGowan or Barbara Hershey, and they returned to Once Upon a Time. I still, I still think there's more story. Sure, there's lots yeah. more story we haven't seen. Yeah. Regina had her brave face on for Robin. At the end of the day, she chose to save Marion, and and I have to totally agree. And I, and I say that there are steps that Regina did. For instance, I was telling Colleen when we watched it, I said. She, Regina could have handed the heart to Robin and say, you put Marion's heart in, but she did it herself. Right. She, she did. promised Robin that she would do everything she could, even though she fell in love with Robin. There were points where she was, she did the right thing. Right. And right. I, you know, again, there, there's, I enjoy, there, there are parts of season two when we saw glimpses of this. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. The 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 Regina that said she was sorry, that was trying to get better, to not use magic for evil or all the time, sure. and and the Neverland whole thing, trying to be better. And now this, mm-hmm. this is 180 degrees from season one. And I really, I was so proud of her that she really cared enough about Robin is to care about Marion. Even though Robin was saying, oh, I want to be with you. She knew that it was, like, it was better. Yeah. You know, maybe at the at, at the core, she loved Roland and said, you know what? <laughs> you, you okay? I'm fantastic. How are you? Okay. All right. So anyway, I'm just, I'm very proud of Regina. Uh, when Regina, okay, let's see. All right. Uh, Regina is usually by herself crying her heart out, i.e. season one through three. Uh, this time she has a shoulder-to-shoulder lean on Emma. It's funny to see the relationship develop from two women trying to kill each other to a budding friendship. That is very true. Mm-hmm. And at the end, Emma said, nope, I made a promise to you. I'm in on this Operation Mongoose, and I'm going to work with you to get your happy ending. Yep. Yep. And the, that... You know, and I think that's probably what Angela's saying as well is that is a full turnaround. Absolutely. So, especially considering in season one, the end of season one, Emma was ready to kill Regina when she thought that she had killed Henry. Yep. Yep. With the poison turnover. Yep. I believe Robin will be back for his Regina. He cannot stay away. I can't wait for what's in store for Outlaw Queen, March 1st. Stay awesome, guys. Angela. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Angela, for that great yeah. email. Uh-huh. This is from Diane. In regards to last night's show, I think there may be more reasons that the gauntlet led Belle to the dagger and not her. Rumpel said the gauntlet lead the, leads the person's, to the person's weakness and then added that it was usually the thing they love most. 
the last is an assumption, belief, prejudice of Rumpel's. The only fact of the gauntlet leads to the person's weakness, which clearly Bell is not. Twice in the past, Rumpel has referred to Bell as his strength. First, he, when he told Ariel to tell Bell she would find out w- what she needed by strength, by the strength of our love. The second time was before he was sac- he sacrificed himself and said, "And I love you, Bell. You've made me stronger." Mm-hmm. Whether he loves his power or Bell more is something up for debate and remains to be seen. But whatever the case is, it doesn't change the likelihood that the gauntlet did not lead to her because she was his strength and not his weakness. Hmm. Great point. That is a great point. And bottom line is he still wants the power. It it is a weakness because he can't let it go. Whereas he has an easier time letting bell go. And he's, we've seen that he has no trouble letting her go or at least letting her, you know, he, he let her stay behind instead of going to Neverland. Right, but but I think I think it is murky because we, we've seen Rumpel vacillate between power and Bell, power Bell or Neil. I mean, there's all these different things where he kind of switches around. But he ultimately always chooses power, which is the thing right. he loves the most. That is mm-hmm. the truth. Doesn't doesn't mean that he doesn't love Bell. I've never said that he doesn't love Bell. I think right. he absolutely does. Problem is, he loves the power more right. than he loves Bell. I'll continue. This also harkens back to exploring whether love was weakness as per core or strength as per Emma. And on this matter, they usually show the villains get this one wrong. It's strength. So I think Rumpel at the time equated love with weakness, but that is an incorrect assumption. Bell has a million things to be upset about, and that is very true. But I think the gauntlet not leading to her signified something good. Our loves should be our strengths. Not our weakness. Sure. Thanks for listening, Diane. Very good. It's great. Very cool looking through that. Very good points. Yes. This is from Brad. Season's greetings, Jeff and Colleen. It was was indeed. Thank you. It (laughs) was. If you get a scent of desperation and gin in the air, hide the the lady rain dog just in case. Now on to things. She's not going to get this dog. There's no way. No way. Mm -mm. She doesn't have a fun little treat toy. We have this little toy that we put food in, and the the dog has to kind of it's like a it's like getting into a safe. <laughs> she has to crack this little safe and mm-hmm. turn this thing around and open up this door. It's kind of fun, anyway. So Cruella would Cruella does not have. She's that. got to go through me, and there's no way yeah. that's going to happen. I I can I can vouch for that. Now on to the things I've learned this week on the episode: heroes and villains. Number one, broomsticks can crack their knuckles. Boy, yes, they can. That was quite amusing. And we, yes, indeed. Number two, one doesn't simply just walk into another realm. You just can't do that. You need a portal. Well, whether it's a true. portal in a cave or a portal in a frozen area with Glinda or a portal in an author's house where you went there last the week before and almost got sucked into a hat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A dangerous house that you go back to with a portal. Sure. That's you just can't walk to the room. Nobody questioned it. They just went for it. Right. Number three, don't underestimate a blissfully ignorant wife true because one day she'll find the real dagger and it's all it's all, all downhill over. from there number four when traveling with a woman one suitcase is never enough 
Unfortunately, that is the case. I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> That's true. All right. Unless you go with nothing and buy clothes on the trip. Ah, you could do that as well. That's a fantasy. I know. And it's a lovely one, Yeah, but it is not reality for most people. Number five. When the cat is away, the mice don't dust. That's true. That's also true. But she did dust a port when she sat out on the table. I noticed that. Well, that just was the that, only part that, that place, was dusted where she sat right, on. Exactly. Number six, even the dark ones need clean clothes. Even the dark one needs clean <laughs> clothes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Number seven, Stroybrook has an open car door policy. Yep. <laughs> that is, that is true. Number eight, it's really difficult to say goodbye when your boyfriend's annoying wife is freezing to death. True. True. Yes. Agreed. Or leave her when she's freezing to death. That kind of changes things yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Number nine, Emma would not make a good heart surgeon. Nope. She doesn't quite have the bedside manner that is required for yeah, heart surgery. Don't yeah, don't yeah, go be easy, love. <clears throat> yeah. Poor guy. But then he got had a little He recouped really quickly. He did. I think I think it was all right. All right, number 10, the word never actually means just for the next couple of episodes in Storybrooke. Yes, that's true. You are, you are absolutely true. And that's, that's why I mentioned what I did, because you just have to just kind of just go with it. A that movie that Colleen and Joe, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Why are you doing that? I'm talking on She's spinning things. around in her chair. I'm relaxing myself. Oh, my gosh. You're making me dizzy over here. It's like you're on a boat. Don't look. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I can't help it. It's Valentine's Day. Oh, whoa. All right. So these are a- some of Brad's theories. I believe Cruella may possess a coat. Ah. Well, she had one. Ah, ah. but, but mm, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I It went down. But may possess a coat with magic properties just like Ruby. Ah, that could be. And that would be the magical thing that she has, that she doesn't have magic herself, but perhaps the coat is magical. And and maybe it's that, or maybe it's her necklace, since we've seen she had a kind of a funky, weird necklace. So maybe that's part of it. We've seen necklaces before with magical properties with uh, Zelina there. Um, And with Anna. That's true. The only difference is Ruby's cloak turned her back into a human, but Cruella's would turn her into an animal, such as a Dalmatian. Maybe. This would be a way to give her magic while staying true to her character. Or maybe she's always been a Dalmatian, and the coat makes her human. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When she wears it. That's it for now. See you in the spring, Brad. Thank you very much, Brad. Yay. The next email is from Mai. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to pick out a couple of things from yes. her email. What did you want to? Oh, I thought you were going to pick out some stuff and I was going to jump in, but okay. I'll let you take it. Well, um, she she was a little underwhelmed by the episode. Okay. I think a lot of people might have been simply because it just, it, it was similar to how they ended season three actually if you think about it the finale of season three felt like not the last episode but the two before the double episode should have been the end and that the 
you know, ne- yeah. the last episode was kind of, and so it kind of felt that way again. There were things that you know, I felt they could have waited until, you know, the next 4B to, to pull that stuff out. Um, she was a little disappointed. I, I can see that. She was a little disappointed mm-hmm. in how Belle found out about, you know, Rumpel's choosing power and, and that sort of thing. And there were, she felt there were other ways that she could have found out much more logical uh, ways. It was kind of a way to introduce the trio. She also said, you know, gosh, introducing the, the, the Queens of Darkness in the middle of the episode was really underwhelming because then it didn't have the shock factor. We all knew they were going to be coming along. So even introducing them in the middle of the episode was kind of silly to do simply because it just, it didn't, it, it, it didn't yeah. give us that excitement of, oh my God, you know, that, that shock factor yeah. is really what she yeah. was going for. She did have a really funny line in her email that I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and I've said this actually before in real life for other reasons, but she said, oh, if suitcases were a TARDIS, our lives would be so much easier. <laughs> True. Yeah. And if weight wasn't a factor, we wouldn't yeah. have to give the... Uh yeah, airlines extra money. Yeah, yeah, true. So, you know, it was she talked a lot about how gut wrenching the scenes with Rumple and Bell were yeah. and how uh just Emily Draven, a brilliant actress and giving that performance and just tearing everybody's heart out because the wool's finally pulled from over her eyes and she sees Rumple for who he really is, but I mean, she's always done that. It's just that realization that she can't fix him. Well, yeah, Bell said that I saw the signs, but I really didn't want to admit it and see yeah. it for what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. She also brought up a really good point too. When Rumple was controlling Killian, there were things in there that Colin O'Donoghue was doing that were just brilliant. And it, it, the explanation is, if you think about it, it's basically Colin playing Killian, being controlled by Rumple. Mm. And so he was technically being himself. Hmm. It, it, was just, it was kind of a crazy little... Yeah. Um, and he wasn't being himself. He was... I, I don't explain it very well. But but my point is is that he picked up the mannerisms of Robert Carlyle and Rumpelstiltskin, the character. He's Colin, while he was Hook, was basically doing an impression of Rumpel, trying to do an impression of Killian. Hmm. <laughs> I know that's yeah. head, that's head yeah. spinning, but if you think about it, it's true. You know, because because Colin was Colin's used to playing Hook the way he plays Hook, right? But he had to change gears and play it how Rumple would have played it, and not even how Rumple would have played Hook, but how Rumple plays himself, but also pretending to be Hook. So I mean, it's just it's all very convoluted, but it, it makes perfect sense when you read the email the whole way through. <laughs> He picked up mannerisms, you know, and and what was brilliant was Colin is, and she pointed this out, nobody does eyes like Colin, because Colin's eyes are very expressive. Mm -hmm. And I've even picked up on things, it's like, oh yeah, when he did that little eye thing, I mean, he's ridiculously good at it. And so she she talked about that quite a bit, and I I thought that was very, yeah. Supposedly, Jennifer Goodwin had a book where she had notes about Mary Margaret, and notes about Snow, so she could keep the two characters, especially mm-hmm. in the first season, because they were so different and so separate. Because as the show moves on, they're kind of blended into one, and then right. it's just just Snow. But 
yeah, I would imagine that Colin had to make some really specific notes about how to play it in a different way. And you're right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, because he's got to remember that he is Killian, but he's not Killian. He's Rumple mm-hmm. being Killian. Yeah. And that, that had, and he, you know, he had to have really spent a lot of time with Robert to, and watching Robert's acting as, as Rumple to get the feel for how he should portray himself. Even though, you know, Rumple was using a lot of Killian's language, you know, right. like alas and love mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. The fact is, is that it was kind of one of those things where it was, it was just, it was, it was brilliantly done by all of them, actually. So, um, she talked about the fact that there's quite possibly, um, a, you know, with Maleficent and Ursula and Cruella coming through, she's trying to figure out what kind of havoc they're going to cause, especially Maleficent, because it makes her happy for all the possibilities. Plus, she has a theory that there will be a, uh, true love's kiss between Hook and Emma in second half of the season, and it will be because of a sleeping curse because Maleficent is the original owner. True. Yeah, so yeah, there is a possibility be. that we could have that. She loved Cruella's insults of <laughs> Rumple sassing him. Uh, you know, he says, "I thought I caught a whiff of desperation in Jen," and she said, "Do you want me to get you a stool so you can look me in the eye mm-hmm. when you threaten me?" Yeah. <laughs> Yep. That was really, really funny. So she, she, you know, she, again, she didn't hate the episode. She just was a little underwhelmed for some of what happened, but she had some, you know, really moments that she really liked. So, and I think we talked about most of what I think was really uh, key pieces from her, yep. from her thing. So, and they, they tried to blend it in. They tried to fold in the whole Ursula, Cruella and Maleficent introduction, but yeah, it, yeah, I, I see where she's coming th- from, but anyway. Well, we so. kind of felt that way. You know, I mean, it's the same thing we felt. We were like, wait, that should have been the finale. And mm-hmm. then there was, you know, the one more episode. And you're like, yeah. okay. True. Not quite as epic as the one we thought should have been the finale. And they've done that now two years in a row. And that's that's how they do that. And that's okay. Yep. So, anyway. Thank you, Mai, for that email. And now we're going to play the rest of Abby Ross's voicemail. So here we go. Um, I really love playing the character of young Emma. It's so cool to work with everyone on the show. Um, The Snow Queen is so great. And just everyone I've gotten to work with is amazing. The crew is amazing. And just the whole, like, environment of the show is just so welcoming and awesome and I've had a lot of fun, so I hope I get to return. We hope so, too. We do, too. Thanks again so much, uh, Abby Ross, for leaving us that really cool voicemail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. That's it. Wow. Heroes and Villains is now over, and so now we look forward to 4B. Yes. So it's not going to be too much longer, and we'll go back to our first thoughts and main show just like we normally Mm -hmm. do. Yep. And we're looking into something for the season finale. No promises yet, and we all know things can change along the way. But we're looking into something kind of a local fun thing. So we will keep you posted on that. 
Thank you so much for listening, downloading, however you found us. We want to send big love out to everybody. We know it's been a long time, but we, we've we been saving up big love. So we send it out <laughs> to you. Take what you need and pass it on to somebody else that needs it because that's really makes that's what makes life worth living. We also want to thank so many people for using our Amazon store link. And if you would like to support us, we really appreciate it. If you would, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's actually a couple of different ways. So please go there and make a choice on how you can do one thing all the time or you can do one thing here and there. And whatever you choose, we really appreciate it. So until not too long from now, we will be saying goodbye and we will see you soon. We will indeed. So take care. Oncers, we will talk to you soon. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Rony Zone media production. Please contact or connect with us. You may hear your comments on an upcoming episode. We're on Twitter at OUAT Podcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OUAT Podcast, or leave a comment at the show notes. Contact us via email at feedback at once upon a time podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 657 333 06 Until next time, spread a little big love around. Rumpelstiltskin was voiced by Brad Pogress, and Teddy was voiced by me, the voice of Steve. You can check out my podcast, the voice of Steve podcast, free on iTunes. Say hi at facebook.com slash voice of Steve, or see what I'm doing over on Twitter, at The VOS Show. Check out everything I do from the podcast to voiceovers. I even have a blog sometimes at thevoiceofsteve.com. Hope to see you around, and thanks again for listening to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. Podcast.